Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Sarah Maria Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is music writer whose work appears in the likes of Pitchfork and Cracked, and is the author of Iron Age, The Art of Ghostface Killer, Steve Van Wyn. Welcome Hi, to yes. the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for doing it. We're, oh, this is a, another big one, a big topic for us to do today. Tell us what yeah. you're going to do. Uh, I'm going to be covering MTV Bass. Yes. So for anybody, well, MTV Bass still exists, but for anybody who doesn't know what, it, what MTV Bass was when we were s- small, give us a, a lowdown. Yes. So it was a, it continues to be, but yeah, I, I stopped watching it really kind of in the mid 2000s, but mm. Uh, it was a channel dedicated to hip hop and R and B music, uh, with a little bit of kind of grime and UK garage and things like that mixed into. Um. So, it's when did it? Because I remember the, the kind of the precursor for it was the Lick, which started a couple of years beforehand with Trevor Nelson. But it's kind of that the the ethos of the Lick carried into the original MTV base, didn't it? Right. Yeah. Um. So kind of before. MTV Basin, like a lot of those channels, uh, me growing up anyway, we you had about 13 channels um, and one of them was MTV, which played music videos um, as it had done since it launched in kind of the 80s. Uh, and then in around, I think it was 1998 when the whole Sky Digital thing came and all of a sudden people had, I don't know, hundreds of channels. So what happened then was like it, it, it became a lot of sub channels from MTV there was um, MTV2 I think that the same day MTV Base launched there was something called MTV Extra um, and that's when M- the actual mainstream M- main MTV evolved then and, and started to play more actual TV shows which was actually kind of a big deal at the time and stuff like Jackass and the Osbournes and all that kind of thing mm. so I I've been I've read that apparently MTV base launched on the first of July nineteen ninety nine and as you say yeah the, there had been a precursor on on MTV called the Lick which which played a lot of R and B and and hip hop songs um, stuff that was kind of outside of the mainstream MTV rotation and a lot, a lot of that ethos carried on although the, the, although MTV base itself didn't wholly absorb the Lick's identity although you know you could see watch the Lick on it and. And it had kind of sub lick shows as well. So, what got you into MTV Base? What appealed to you about it? Uh, well, that was what I was listening to at the time, you know, in school. Uh, everything I was like, actually, I was pretty young when I had a really focused sense of like musical taste because I had quite young uncles and aunts who would have introduced me to a lot of this stuff. So mm. maybe even before I was, I was out of like single digit age. Like I liked stuff like Boys to Men and. Uh, I really liked Salt and Pepper and um, Monica and stuff like that. So mm. you know, I had a, I had a, I had a, I did have like a musical taste. And when I got into kind of secondary, then it evolved into kind of more hardcore kind of rap music. And um, like as I'm sure it was in every schoolyard, Tupac was pretty big. Um, you know, Dr. Dre's 2001 album, well, which came out in 1999, that was really really big in the schoolyard as well. So. Yeah, I just kind of started watching it uh, around that time. Like the first thing I, I, I'm pretty sure I was on MTV Base and not the main MTV show, but I think the first thing I watched on it was a five-year anniversary to Tupac's death, which just showed all his videos. Mm. So if that was on the MTV Base, that would have been September thirteenth, two thousand one. So that's when I started watching it. 
But I was kind of into MTV before that a little bit anyway. I used to, after school, I used to watch uh, Select on the main MTV, which had like yeah. Donna Air and Richard Blackwood. And I don't we used know to go to each other's houses to watch Select. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It was a, like appointment television. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like had this illusion that people were ringing in and, and being able to pick the, sh- the the videos when I'm pretty certain they were predetermined and pe- the, the kind of callers were tailored for whatever videos they wanted to play and rather than vice versa. But Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, we So I used to be in a band when I was a teenager and we were on um, basically the TG Cahar equivalent of Select. Uh, it's called Pop TV Naterig. Awesome. So they would have like local bands play like a, a 90 minute, or 90 second version of one of their songs and then they would request the next video but literally they they came up to the our singer and went you're going to request who the man by richard blackwood when, when she told us you're right he was like i don't want to request that she's like no you have to request who the man by richard blackwood so. <laughs> oh yeah 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 um yeah richard blackwood at the time he, he yeah i think he 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 kind of wanted to be then he was the, the british will smith was oh for sure or was yeah, it the yeah. british eddie murphy or something and he had one one of those he cited as any way he wanted to be people always, mm. i think i think it was people he's always comparing to will smith but he wanted to be eddie, like more like eddie murphy i think is what it was but um because he did stand yeah. up and stuff as well didn't he yeah 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 um i think he went on to channel four as well but yeah mtv at the time was pretty good i mean and then there was a kind of a big uh they had mtv had a big relaunch a few years later um where they brought in like a bunch of new presenters like Dave Barry and Alex Zane and Emma Willis and they kind of put a bit of money into it then they, they tried to launch a UK version of TRL um, with kind of the studio and all that stuff was really because I that maybe that came a little bit later but stuff like select with the the presenters and all that that was all really easy to kind of transition to to watch for me because I'd grown up watching like a lot of kind of Nickelodeon and mm. and the children's yeah. channel before that and they always had these little between shows these little kind of rap or i guess yeah wrap around segments with presenters in really really tight studios where obviously they they put them in kind of the basements and and they introduced the shows and stuff like that so it's quite natural to get into that but yeah when it, once i kind of started when watching mtv base which didn't have a lot of that actually because it's it's its main show was called beats rhymes in life which um was just videos like you know nine times out of ten if you switch on mtv base you're watching beats rhymes in life um, but you know, at the time, it was just it was just such a brilliant era for not just for that kind of hip hop R and B music, but for music videos. It was like the last era, really, when there was money to put into videos. Mm. Um, so like you know, stuff by like all the Missy Elliott videos were always amazing. Uh, Busta Rhymes did amazing videos, Ludacris, and they were you know expensive. This was kind of you know nowadays music videos are, are quite cheap and put on and just pretty much exclusively played on youtube really but um yeah, yeah directors like hype williams were always like their stuff was like really really visually interesting and yeah and i think like more is i was it was kind of the music i was i was, I was listening to anyway but it was just it was the whole kind of hip-hop scene was always very interesting to follow like that because the other artists would appear in other guys videos and there was always kind of a little bit of drama around the music i mean like I remember I was kind of watched would have been following a little bit Jay-Z and Naz's uh, feud and then after that it was Eminem and 50 Cent against kind of Cha Rule and the Source guys and you know you had people sometimes MTV base would would, would, uh, would have a little bit of the American coverage and guys like Sway and stuff like that but this was just I mean compared to now when like it, these days if you have like a rap beef and you don't upload a song the day after the person you're beefing with you seem to be kind of yeah, late. Yeah. I mean, 
these at the time you didn't know what was going on because you didn't have the instant access to all that information and artists were going months without replying to each other's songs you know mm. so like all that stuff was always kind of surrounding MTV base as well which which made it really really just a kind of a fun to follow compared to some of the some of the other channels and at that time like at the time I, I would I'd say argue that that era of kind of like pop music would stack up to really any any era um the music was always really really good yeah like 90 yeah we were saying like 97 to 2003 is essentially like the neptunes and timberlands like peak which mm. is the peak of all pop music essentially <laughs> so it's uh so re- did you find you were ahead of mtv based or was it introducing you to stuff yeah yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, yeah, I, I, some certain kind of memories do stick out, like some of the kind of the really obscure songs you'd be in, introduced to. Like, the Lick used to play pretty obscure stuff. I mean, a couple of, just a couple of, uh, I remember he, Trevor Nelson playing, um, I don't know if we mentioned, but Trevor Nelson was the host. Uh, he played, like, Wizzy Wow by Blackstreet, which is completely forgotten now. And then this, there was kind of a song called The Weekend by Dave Hollister, and I think he played that twice on one episode. Um Oh, um, so yeah, that stuff that you, you would pick up a lot of obscure stuff, um, and at the time, it was it kind of coincided with Napster as well mm, when I was yeah. getting into this. So there was a lot of usually most days I used to go on the internet for like twenty minutes a day, which was enough time to download yeah. one MP3. So I download like one MP3 from Napster or whatever came after that then, and I put it in. I had Music Match jukebox at the time, which is the best, still the best, the greatest ever uh, music player has ever been so I would put my one song on there and and like a lot of that stuff is always kind of forged by what I was watching on MTV base Mm. yeah a lot of those songs like a lot of the ones the mp3s you get were really rough and some of them had kind of DJs shouting over them like I still can't listen to I think Gone Till November by Wyclef without hearing um, DJ Street Sweeper shouting things like this is an exclusive Um, (laughs) so uh but and yeah, some of the MTVs, some of the MP3s rather, would cut out early. So there's some some songs I still listen to now, which is like, well, it was, what's this extra minute? Um, yeah. That I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. At the time, like trying to buy buying rap albums, and that was it was there was something kind of mm. forbidden about it a little bit. I, like used to go into HMV and in sometimes like in the Square or, or on Mary Street or or wherever, and uh, you know you go. To, to the little shelf at the back basically and it's like the, the artwork was always really kind of unusual and different you know like do you think look at the covers now for like stuff like Cypress Hill's album and things like that yeah um and I think at the time you know like there was a little bit of a another wor- other kind of worldly thing about it I mean you know growing up in you know, Dublin I went to school in Walkinstown um just overriding memories are just very grey and you know the uniformity with this, you know, the way everyone was kind of dressed in school uniforms, and just kind of, a, you know, the the thing when you went to listen to this music and you looked at all these visuals on the TV, and then, you know, you bought the albums. It was, it was, there was something, yeah, something just, um, different and yeah, just un, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, kind of an escapism. With yeah. It. Also, the ratio of explicit stickers on rap albums to other <laughs> albums was way, way off. It's where most of them were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was funny, I remember one guy coming into school and we with his disc man and and like like holding out the disc man and flipping flipping the, the lid off it and it was um, 
Dr. Dre's The Chronic uh, album, which was everyone had 2001, but not too many people had The Chronic, and they had this like huge weed symbol on the on the cover, and like, yeah. you know, he just kind of looked at that like it was like he had some like magical amulet in his hand or something. Um, it was yeah, it was. I mean, like, and back then, like, albums CDs cost about fifteen pounds as well at the time, so it wasn't cheap. Um, they were kind of an investment, so mm. and. Like I sometimes I do kind of miss that lack of ch- or that the yeah I miss the lack of choice because when you bought an album you you put a uh, like a lot of an investment into it and you you usually put a lot of time into it then um you know compared to having instant access these days obviously to every album that comes out <laughs> it's very hard to get down to stick now I think it's maybe like I listen to a lot more music than I used to but the actual amount of music I listen to twice has dropped a lot I would say right um, yeah 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 no, uh, I, I like, find that yeah just just working like writing about music that i find i always find time to listen to like my favorite stuff of all time and mm. if like a new album comes out and it's like a like a classic and i've covered it or whatever i'll always find time to listen to that again but there's like a lot of albums that like are like you know seven out of tens or whatever that i get i've made this to once or twice and that i really really want to keep listening to it's just there's not enough time um so like those are the albums that kind of tend to fall away for me yeah, I was reading, there's a, a website called Select Scans, which is old Select Magazines, and they have the review pages from every month in there. And I was looking through it and realizing most of those albums are just, again, like two, three out of fives, and they're gone. And I think probably if I'd had like Spotify then, I would have been listening to all of those once. And it's just, you're everybody's just listening to all those three, three out of five albums once now, but the I guess the four or five star albums are still sticking around. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely, but I think MTV Base as well was was very much like a singles led. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Obviously with the the videos, but like you know, people like pure forgot, almost forgotten now, like Sunshine Anderson and and they all had like really really like classic singles at the time. Um, I think one of the first things I actually did when I, I got Spotify was was do a really long playlist of stuff I used to watch on MTV on MTV Base. So I still have it here, but um, yeah, like you know Faith Evans and and. Jill Scott, people like that. I mean, I know they've got they've got really good records as well, but they were pretty regular on 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 the TV at the time, and yeah, it was just something that like just generally. I mean, I was if I wasn't doing anything, I was watching MTV Base. Like I had, I played a lot of um, Football Manager at the time as well, mm. and uh, I I don't know how many hours of my life I'd had with the PC on with Football Manager and MTV Base in the background. <laughs> it was really really easy to watch. And then, like, you know, it, it, I remember they used to do uh, kind of, like, late night, they used to do kind of, like, an, an X-rated show. They used to call it, I can't remember the name of it. It was something like Triple X Videos or something stupid like that. But I think every episode was, like, the 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 lap dance video from N.E.R.D. and the Fiesta <laughs> video from Jay-Z and R. Kelly. I think they were the only two videos that had any kind of nudity in them. And then everything else was, yeah. like, it was kind of padded out with videos of kind of, like, gangster rap videos with, like, a lot of guns in them and stuff like that. I remember when, um, in like back in like 96, 97, MTV at 12, literally on the dot at 12 o'clock every night, they would play either Smack My Bitch Up or Window Licker. <laughs> the, they played the full like eight minutes of Window Licker, but only at 12 o'clock at night. So, there used to be a rumor, like some of you started a rumor, um, so back we were like 9, 10. They were like, uh, at half three today, they're going to play the 26 minute version of November Rain on MTV. And we'd all gather around our television at half three and nothing would happen because there isn't a 26 minute version of November Rain but we would believe it every single time yeah but this is the thing at the time we had mp3s and that so there was an element of being able to listen to whatever music you wanted at the time mm. but 
it would never like the, the the concept of YouTube and the idea that I could listen to any music video I wanted at any time like that never would have entered my head at all. Mm. Um, and you would you'd sit around waiting for a video you wanted to watch uh, come on, uh, like the, the um, when you rock my world came out uh, in two thousand one. Um, you know there was like three or four different lengths of that the Michael Jackson video, and you know you'd, you'd wait hopefully see the full was it maybe 12 or 15 minute version the one they had like marlon brando and michael madsen and was michael madsen in it oh, marlon brando was definitely in it anyway but um yeah you'd wait around for this i remember actually when i was in my uh i was staying in my uncle's in london i used to spend summers in london and uh they had uh they had a, their tv was they had i don't know if you remember but they used to used guys did it as well but you used to be able to like buy a satellite and not pay a subscription and get like loads of free channels and stuff at the time mm. but they had uh, they had like i think a german mtv or something um but i used to wait for the annie up video the mop buster rhymes kind of remy oh, martin yeah, video yeah. yeah so i used to wait for that to come on um but yeah like this idea that like oh i could just i could just watch these videos whenever i wanted just never never would have entered your head at all mm. uh yeah the curation of it's really important um yeah, like I was thinking, because again, like my equivalent of MTV is MTV Two. That's the one I would just leave on all mm. day. Which was indie or, rock, right? Uh, mostly indie rock. Yeah, it got it went emo then, like 2000, 2003, 2004, as everywhere did. But for those <laughs> first few years of it was like, I remember like this is embarrassing, but I used to leave it on to catch uh, "Growing on Me" by the Darkness. Because yeah. when this in the Sorry, Darkness came the out, Darkness and I was like, are fucking amazing. That, that album is fucking it's great it's that album is yeah. perfect and yeah. sorry I've just been listening really intensely <laughs> because I don't I didn't have MTV growing up I don't understand music videos and all of this is just like listening to Dispatches from an Alien Planet I love it <laughs> um, I never watched any of this I've never I, I, I have been listening to the same 30 songs for pretty much my whole life the juvenile bingos that I don't like music I do like music I just don't know how to and I, I, this is all new to me. The darkness was are are and were brilliant, <laughs> and that album is perfect. Mm -hmm. Fully agreed. Like, um, yeah, you leave on MTV all day. Is what you do. Um, like that's it. We did. We didn't have yeah. MTV in my house mm. ever. It was like a rule: no MTV. So I am missing huge pop culture swathes and learning very intently as you guys talk. I'm it's because like, uh -huh. you're an uh, Dean. Are you an oldest child as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so am I, right? So it was, oh, I didn't even know I had MTV until my cousin, who was six years older than me, came over from England one year. When I was like seven, I was like, you have to watch MTV. They're doing the top 100 videos of the year. And that was the first time I'd even conceived of a music video that wasn't Michael Jackson or Bon Jovi. And that's, he was like, you're going to like these two songs. And it was like, um, it was Songs of Teen Spirit and You Could Be Mine by Guns N' Roses. And that was like me set off then from like seven years old for life. That was basically my path. Like, um, MTV Europe was like um, a huge influence on me like I think because it was like the only properly European channel that we had it was only ex like influence that wasn't American or British that we would see so we'd have like all the sex education ads like a European approach to sex education like all the Benetton and condom ads and stuff and like presenters with accents which you would not get on Irish television at all so I think it was weird when MTV UK started because I felt like something a little bit was lost then it got a little bit more local and didn't really work anymore but um yeah it's a shame yeah i think with mtv bass as well one of the things that i was trying to think about just in preparation this maybe a little bit mm -hmm. about it's it's kind of legacy in that and yeah like one of the things that really 
brought into its ethos, particularly as the longer I was watching it for, was uh, its promotion of British music. Uh, I don't mm. know if it, if, if it was that it became more prominent, I think, the longer I was watching anyway, because maybe British music just got better or, or big, but like, at the, I think, you know, so, like, So Solid Crew were, were massive, um, were like, ma- like, I think, don't even think people have kind of reckoned with how transformative they were mm. on, on the British um, garage music scene, like, it's not like, like I said, I, I used to spend summers in in London, and I remember like summer two thousand, summer two thousand one. Like garage was everywhere. Like you couldn't go anywhere without it being played out of um, people's car windows, you know. And it was it it, it, it kind of coincided at the time. I was too young, I was still at the time, but it was it coincided with that kind of a beat the culture thing, where like like British kids and Irish kids as well. I was used to go to places like Ibiza during the summer, and this was kind of like the soundtrack and all that kind of stuff. But like that music was really really good, and again, TV has promoted a lot of that. Like I would have seen, you know, Ms. Dynamite on there probably for the first time. Um, a little bit later, Dizzy Rascal probably came through there, um, mm. and you know, like you could a lot of the the success of that, and a lot of the the how how big you know that kind of like London particularly um, street music became then. It, because it evolved then into the pop realm when like the likes of uh, Liberty and you know Danny Bellyfield and and stuff kind of took took it. Mm-hmm. So then that's when the the, you know, the the originators of it just dragged it back into the underground, and that's where grime occurs. You know, grime mm-hmm. kind of develops then, and MTV plays they played that stuff as well. They played those really early grime songs, which were really really rough um, and raw. So. You know, it, it had it played its part in really, really popularizing a lot of that stuff as well. Because um, yeah, British hip hop was kind of seen as a bit of a joke for a very long in the nineties, especially there wasn't really much happening. It was, yeah. it wasn't like Twenty One Seconds was a moment. Like we used to like every used to like drop everything when I came on MTV to watch it. Yeah, like it was well, a proper super hit. Like because a lot, it all evolved out of this kind of tower block pirate radio station culture mm. where like it was it was it was really common at the time like you, London probably I think in Birmingham a little bit as well that a lot of people were setting up pirate radio stations in their flats and you know people all over the kind of tower blocks were listening to this stuff and you know a lot of the style of 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 delivery of those songs evolved out of people who were you know these DJs and MCs who were just mm. freestyling over these kind of these beats um you know like you look at the kind of the early craig davis stuff as well he was he came out of that that whole scene a lot you know he with with the artful dodger and i say ms dynamite was 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 big at time but a lot of these guys i mean they they i think they moved to move away from that stuff obviously when by the time craig Davis and ms dynamite were ready to release their first albums they were almost entirely coming to a more uh softer more or R&B kind of Polished, sound, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. But, but like, to, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. go ahead. Yep. Yeah, just a lot of that stuff was was, was promoted on, on MTV base. Um, and, you know, you can feel the the influence of it now. I mean, like, British rap is as interesting now as probably has ever been. Like, there's so many artists doing it now. Like, And guys like AJ Tracy, they're putting songs on their albums that are, like, just directly, they're just like straight garage songs, like, easily could have slid into like a 2001 playlist and you mm. wouldn't you wouldn't spot the difference I went to uh, my cousin's wedding in London like maybe eight years ago now but, um, 
but the, her husband was a DJ and like where normally the DJ said at a wedding any wedding I've been to would be like you know a bit of ABBA and maybe some like you know Mr. Brightside and stuff it was all garage and two step oh. everybody like knew all the words to all these songs and all the Irish people at the wedding were like we do not know what any of this is this is so weird but it was really cool it was like um yeah, but we, I don't think we got a full sense, unless you were part of that scene, you didn't get a full sense of how big that scene really was. Yeah, I, I just yeah. I was at a friend's, a friend's wedding a couple of years ago as well, and she's a, a DJ, and she got some of her DJ friends to play as well, and they played mm-hmm. like Rewind by Craig David. And yeah. They played um, Let's Get Married by Jagged Edge, but like the, the kind of the Kanye West remix, which I think is the first thing I ever heard Kanye rap on, um, which is from about, I don't know, 2000 or t- ish, 2001, um, which I thought was a really good taste pick. But like yeah, Jagged Edge, they had like a lot of songs on MTV Base as well. Um, yeah, it was just like just a fantastic time really for that kind of like style of music. Um, and as you say, you know, you mentioned kind of like the Neptunes and and and, and Timbaland and, and stuff like that. And just real, yeah, there was oh, there's always stuff that just kind of pushed boundaries uh, you know, of of that kind of popular sound. And it was it was successful as well. You know, it's, it was mm. it was in the, the the kind of US pop culture mainstream. Uh, yeah, because like we were, it's so because you were saying all your friends were into like hip hop and stuff, and all my friends were guitar heads, and I don't know if it's like guitar head attracts guitar head or if it's just we all developed off each other. But um, it was like ninety nine once the Justin Timberlake album came out, and like Dirty by Christina Aguilera and Slave for You and by Britney, everybody was kind of like we should listen to more pop music. Uh, we're we're really shutting ourselves off from a lot of stuff. I think that's you know? really interesting that how the yeah. like peer groups I don't know, from in my case it was like all the lads are metalheads and all the mm. girls I have literally got no idea what the girls I knew listened to because they never talked about it. And uh I think it was very much like a weird social hierarchy thing where the guys decided what music was cool and if you listen to music outside that you just got the piss taken out of you. Like I remember there being a distinct summer where the line when we were hanging out at the green was shut up Sarah you listen to the thrills stop talking you listen to the thrills <laughs> and it was just a way to get me to shut up mm. and it worked every time um, and that, at that point I was like I am never telling these people what I listen to ever again but I do think groups of teenagers decide what everyone listens to sort of implicitly mm. no one I knew listened to hip hop music at all it took me way into college to realise that there was this huge area of music that just hadn't even been put in front of me you know i love the idea of someone offering you an album like an amulet with a weed symbol on it but there was that was just never like and i think it's because i think it's distinctly a class thing as well like we were all in kilbaric and as a way to differentiate ourselves from other people within that ecosystem we didn't listen to rap music and hip-hop because that was for the lads who played football that was for like what eventually would evolve into like lads with ford fiestas ford fiesta twitter type normies right that like there was a really intense way of pushing the lads anyway themselves away from that kind of masculinity as teenagers like the Mm. two kinds of masculinity football masculinity or guitar masculinity in 2000 you know and splash and uh, I think it's really interesting that there are whole social groups of people who, like, have a different palette to paint from. I think MTV spitting off 
was might have been a bit of a cause of that. That's probably it when the different once, channels started. Once every, the MTV base took all the rap and hip hop and every and like we all started listening to MTV too, just the cross pollination just kind of stopped happening. Like I I know my like sense of like shared music culture that like whereas like a like a universal sense of what music of songs are stops around then which is probably just right. when i've turned 16 as well and it's just all your childhood music every you feel like everybody knows that like but my I do heart think... reformed so much when you brought up limewire because i'm just like i love limewire but i spent <laughs> all my time trying to look for rips of music from the legend of zelda mm. on limewire <laughs> you know <laughs> everyone's experience of piracy is different <laughs> you know um so when did you start writing about music yeah um yeah when i started it well i i did um i did a year in in dcu actually studying computers um which did, didn't go well for me and then i did i started in griffith studying journalism and visual media and i started writing album reviews at the time to for the free cds still got free cds then and mm. it was great and you know now you just get like streams <laughs> but um yeah, free gigs as well. It was cool, mm. but yeah, I, actually at the time I kind of uh, it changed a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, once I started college and I started working as well uh, part time, um, I didn't watch nearly as much MTV anyway. Mm. But music was kind of changing a little bit. Uh, where that era we're talking like, like two thousand four, two thousand five was probably the kind of low point for mainstream hip-hop um you know like the real popular a lot of popular guys like uh, like chingy and and you know crunk music was pretty big which was mm. fine you know i like a bit of crunk but um yeah and, and it kind of coincided with at the time i think indie music was had a, a, a kind of a, a spurt of of inventive that was the real skinny jeans like yeah era yeah. I worked in Urban Outfitters in 2006 and that was New Rave so just before that was just the kooks fucking baby shambles everyone was just <laughs> like yeah lanky streaks streaks of piss like playing bad guitar music it's yeah. called landfill indie I think is what they oh wow it. yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah, and kind of like in college is when I got my my first iPod as well, and I I was list, I was reading Pitchfork as well, and I was listening to like Interpol and uh, the Strokes and stuff like that. Um, so actually, when I first started writing about music, I didn't write about a lot of the stuff I'd grown up on. Uh, that right. that all that all kind of came back later. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until of course years later I kind of realized just how much I suppose MTV bass had formed my musical education mm. a little bit. Um, because yeah you just people generally have like that kind of era they go through where they've just absorbed so much music um so it was kind of two eras for me really when i was a teenager watching a lot of mtv bass and then through college i was just listening so i just listened to just everything and mm. yeah, i had a very kind of natural musical education and i i when i was i got into like the beatles <laughs> so i kind of went right through the classic rock canon pretty linearly li- linear li- linearly yeah. Is that a word? Um, Just but, that, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of, I, yeah, I went through all that stuff then and I, I got in, I, I maybe developed a bit more of a rounder um, sense, of, sense of musical taste. It is interesting, isn't it, when you go back from the start and you start contextualizing all the stuff you already knew? Where you, where you like, because I never used to be able to, like, say, just as a really obvious example that most people don't know, I could never hear the Beatles in Oasis 
until I like, got properly into the Beatles in my 20s I was like ah yeah now I can get it and it's when you're a teenager and stuff you don't I was just like am I deaf have I never put those two together? Like yeah, it's because it's um, are you listening to like? Because I think obviously when we're watching MTV and stuff, we're getting the stuff immediately. Um, like people used to talk like about Block Party and Franz Ferdinand were all based off of like Wire and Gang of Four and Orange Juice and stuff. And it's not too later where you listen to those properly with a distance here, where it's all in your past, where it's not like new and old, and it's just all old, and you can trace it in. Um, so it must be really interesting to go through the the canon, the canon like uh, chronologically and like trace stuff like that. Is it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I say you, you, it's probably important to develop you know if you're writing about music a, a reasonable education um, by listening to stuff. And but yeah, like as well to you know we talked talking about those, those kind of eras. Uh, you know, I think you, you mentioned, you know, Christine Aguilera and Dirty and stuff like that. But like a lot of that, you know, the, the, so the sound that was popularized that MTV Bass was playing, um, say it, it was became kind of so good that it did get leaked then really in, like far into the American pop culture and mainstream, you know, songs like um, Girlfriend by NSYNC, the one with Nelly. Like uh, I, I used to love that video and song. And I think the like, yeah, MTV Bass, I mean, they would have played the the boys remix by Britney um the one with Pharrell mm. like those songs were really really great but yeah they it, that were very much like a, a kind of a direct um cause or, or from what was happening in the kind of hip-hop and R&B scenes and I, I've actually I was kind of watching a lot of those old videos like like Kelly Clarkson and stuff like it was such a great era for for I think for American American pop music at that time Going back to like some of the shows, I suppose um, that MTV base had, like they, I think they just, they just said like basically, if you weren't watching Beat Rhymes and Life, they put on, they, some sometimes they'd have they'd mix it up by playing two songs from the same artist back to back for like an hour and stuff like that. Like it was really compared to what was happening on MTV at the time, where say where they were putting actually putting money into it with stuff like TRL and and like hiring a kind of a, a bunch of young presenters. Um, from other places like it was pretty much a very quiet operation i suppose over an mtv base like they they you know you've ever had very little live stuff or or you know very little you know shows that you that you think they put really any kind of investment into it was pretty much just music videos all the time mm. um i was wondering like who was who got to choose the videos who did the yeah they're the, really the, like, important people job. yeah <laughs> um but yeah like there was uh and there was always like the really kind of big videos like stuff like um like hip-hop by dead prez was that was played a lot so it was always funny when they, they put it in like a, a car ad now which is really really funny to me um like yeah christina aguilera she was on there at the odd time as well like people like you know genuine um you know wu-tang clan used to play their videos so it was like it was just there was yeah, there was always a lot going on around it. I say there was, and there was always. I, I I used to try to read the Source magazine as well at the time, um, which was again that was really hard to get. Like maybe if you went into like Eason's in in on O'Connell Street, you might get it. Um, but again, like you, so much of your really the information you were you were getting at that time through was, was probably months old. But like this was pre you know, broadband, so you you really didn't know. <laughs> but that was one of the things yeah. that kind of made the music scene interesting as well. As I was saying earlier, like. Uh, it, there was always just seemed to be narratives around it and you know like 
there was a the big thing there was a big thing about whether Nas was going to join Murder Inc. Records. I've mentioned Murder Inc. Records, which was big, like you know, the Ja Rule videos, the Ashante videos, like they're still really, really good. Mm. Um but yeah, there was this whole thing, it's like this was just kind of not long after the probably actually during the middle of the Nas and Jay Z thing, and Nas was like was really hot at the time. And 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 Murder Inc. was a really hot label. And there was all these rumors that Nas was coming on, and you know, they then there was a video for a remix of this song called "The Pledge," which Nas was on, and he was on there with Shanti and Ja Rule, and he was shouting like, you know, murder and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, okay, so this is happening. <laughs> but uh, and then I, I remember I bought Nas's album, which was Godson in 2002, and I like searched the back of it for like the Murder Inc. logo, and I went through the 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 the, the booklet and everything, trying to find the producers who usually worked on Murder Inc. And none of them were there, and just kind of being really confused and. Like it wasn't until I think there was a somebody wrote a feature then years later about like that whole period and how it kind of basically his his association with the label fizzled out and it never really happened. But these are all things you were kind of trying to clue in on. I, I, I actually I do remember going on on my old dial up and going on the Murder Inc website and trying to find Naz under their artist roster and all that stuff because you really didn't know. Um, yeah, you, you're even going back earlier than that. Just just as a just something that came to my mind, which you said earlier. Um, I do remember we, we we kind of briefly talked about Nickelodeon earlier. Do you remember when there was rumors that Keenan and Kel had been in a car crash? Do you remember that at all? Uh, no, but I have heard other people mention it. Yeah, I think that might be like a Dublin rumor. We had our own rumors. Yeah, think, there yeah. was a, uh, there was a rumor anyway that that they'd been in a car crash and that Keenan died and Kel was in a coma. And like you hear this in school, you know. And yep. I think eventually that the I definitely rumor, remember somebody saying that on a schoolyard one. Yeah, the rumor yeah. got so big, I suppose, eventually that Nickelodeon were moved to do a teletext page, so you could go into like all the shows had their own teletext. Uh, all the shows had their own teletext pages, and they had one then de- dedicated to just clearing up this rumor. But the, na- the name <laughs> of the name the name of the page was like "Is it true?" which is obviously a, a catchphrase from the show. But like, yeah, that was the kind of like that was how little information, how how hard it was to source information, like something as basic as whether the, the stars of the show you know are alive uh, was hard to come by. <laughs> so trying to get like the the minutia of interlabel politics at the time, yeah, yeah. Uh, was like impossible. I just and compared to now, obviously, where it's just rolling news on on you know on on your feed, where it, it every just, single tweet is gets so news article, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, God, if yeah. this. Forget about who you never would have known what artist had coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like Babyface, I think I found out yesterday has it, and they never would have found that out. <laughs> no, uh, we wouldn't have done what Drake's house looked like back in the day either. You know, I don't know what Puff Daddy's house looked like in 1997. Well, Cribs, Cribs, that is true. Yeah, um, yeah, Cribs was yeah. Cribs, Cribs, and it's like, like that was again. That was at the time that. Uh, there was a lot of money in music, so the houses were nice. Mm. Although a lot of it was, a lot of cribs, I think, was bullshit. Um, Destiny Child they definitely did not live in the same house together. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. They definitely, definitely rented houses. Like Master P rented a house, I think, for his one. Yeah, he had, like, yeah. Gold statues of himself, like flown in and stuff. But like the most, correctly. that's the most iconic, I think, and lasting episode is well, maybe other than the Mariah Townhouse, that was a really good one because yeah. she had she had the whole episode to herself. But the Red Man episode, did you see that? Um, probably where, remind me. Yeah. It's oh, it's just I think it's his cousin is sleeping on the floor and all this kind of stuff. It's just like a really basic. And I, I think it might have actually been his. It was his house or was his fam, one of his family members' houses or something. But yeah, he just went completely the other direction. But yeah, just mentioning Destiny Child there, it just kind of messes with my mind when I realized the other day I've probably been listening to. 
Beyonce sing for like 22, 23 years now, you know? Yeah, like, the first place I saw Destiny's Child was on uh, The Lick. Like, he pushed them really hard early on before they were getting played anywhere else. When there was yeah. when there were a four-piece with the, the other ones, yeah. Yeah, I remember there was... They had a, a dedicated weekend to Destiny's Child right around the time the Survivor album came out, mm. and I watched all of it. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't really like Survi- the, the Survivor album as much, but The Writings on the Wall was a huge album for me, and even i remember like the no 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 video i think was their first video and like the get on the bus video those are those are years old now but um yeah there was a another show just it's, it wasn't on mtv base but um i may just come on during the summer like uh, in the summer i summer holidays like i, I barely slept really or let's just go to sleep really really late but one yeah. channel had um a show i think it was it was motown live i think it was it was kind of they brought back a a show that I think probably existed in either the sixties or seventies, and they brought it back in the two thousands. Um, it was it was hosted by the guy. I don't know if you ever saw that movie Meet Your Man. It was hosted by the guy who played Meet Your Man. Anyway, I can't remember his name. I'll look it up. But uh, yeah, they used to do. Um, it was just a live music uh, show, and I remember like one of the first times, or maybe I I might have seen it after, but one of the kind of earliest clips of Beyonce anyway was. It was definitely her performing with Destiny Child on that. Robert Townsend was his name. But uh, yeah, they used to do... Um, every ep- every episode would have a, a kind of a weird team up as well. So I remember like they teamed like Shaq up with George Clinton for a performance. And like <laughs> Brian, Brian McKnight and Brian Adams just on the basis of I think the Brian thing was, was mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Okay, we'll put them together. Makes sense. But uh, yeah, that was... Uh, I don't know what channel was putting that out at the time, but that was another kind of thing that might be on YouTube or people are worth... It's worth looking up. Hmm. I've never heard of that one. I was I was confused with there with the Motown like 4th or 30th anniversary thing where Michael Jackson did the boomwalk for the first time, but that's a separate thing, I think. Yeah, yes. This yeah. was... I think this was like... Yeah, they were trying to yeah re-energize an old show yeah. that they had you know, for, the, for the 2000s. I don't know how long it lasted, but it was uh, it was fun. But like, oh, yeah, I was, we, we were chatting about this earlier, like a lot of this stuff, like all those old episodes of The Lick, um, like there's, none of this stuff seems to really have been documented. And I don't know, do these episodes really exist anymore? Um, like can you, can, is there an archive of old episodes of The Lick or, or old episodes of TRL on the UK? I, I, I don't know. Like a lot of this stuff is just so forgotten. Yeah, I mean, it's just little bits of clips, I think. Um, actually, what a weird one is, uh, you know, the comedian Paul Shear and like all those LA UCB guys, they did a project where they would recreate word for word old episodes of TRL with them playing all the, <laughs> all the stars, just as something that, just because they were bored, I think, just because they could, because someone would give them money to do it. So they exist. Um, but yeah, like, I was looking at the, like the Wikipedia page for MTV UK, I was saying this beforehand, and most of the shows and most of the presenters don't have their own Wikipedia page. They just... Mm very little preservations got into it which because MTV like mythologizes itself so much or MTV US definitely does but like television so. background wasn't meant to be rewatched you know mm. like it was more disposable like you were mentioning earlier like those little weird uh, wraparound segments on things like TCC and like the tiny basement studios that like children's presenters will get lamped into to introduce all of the shows there are a couple of YouTube channels that are like here is ITV from 7.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. on the 9th of October, 1991. Mm. 
including live and kicking, blah, 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 right? Yeah. Someone will have just fucking ripped the whole thing. There's a weird amount of that stuff on YouTube. Um, but largely, those segments weren't meant to be recorded. Now we live in a time with YouTube where everything is meant to be infinitely bingeable and rewatchable and available to be repeated. Where there was something sort of ephemeral about television back then, where like a radio broadcast, it just went out and then it disappeared. And then maybe you might hear some gossip written down about it, or maybe there'd be something on CFAX about it. You know, there was a distance instead of this infinite cat, infinite publicly available catalog, which is the internet, you know? So in some regards, a lot of it will be, lo- will be lost to time, like, because it was designed to be. Yes, it's like, because so much of it was live as well. Like MTV was, yeah. had like a live host from like, mid-afternoon till like 10, 11 at night every day back in the day. What a job. Um, stressful, I would imagine. Um, Didn't Dan, what's his name, Levy from Schitt's Creek, wasn't he an MTV host? Uh, he was MTV Canada host, yeah. Like he used to do the after show for like the hills or something. Yeah. 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 But now we all just do those from our houses. You know? Mm. <laughs> so. yeah, well, kind of vegan as well. Oh, sorry, go on. Mm. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, the the idea, I suppose, that people would actually want to see this stuff years later, you yeah, know, was probably never, never even heard. entered the produce, yeah, producers' mm. heads. And yeah, I I went back and watched all the the, the DJ Cat intro segments a while ago on YouTube. All the, the opening credits. Do you remember DJ Cat? Yeah, on yeah. Sky One. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like so, like that stuff. Unless it was some people have rec- recorded it on their own VHS. I remember when a, a woman died in America and she had like a, a massive archive where she free for years had recorded the local news just on a continuous just continuously like once one VHS ended she put another one we need someone yeah. who have done, really have done that in for 2000s MTV UK <laughs> so did yeah. you use, um, just for sorry to ask Ed but mention earlier like the way when MTV based MTV Extra um, I think it was an MTV dance and all that and they obviously absorbed all the music show all the music videos and the main MTV was, you know, the Osbournes, uh, mm. Jackass, all that shows. Did you watch any of those? Me. Either of you, yeah? No. I watched Jackass. I tried the Osbournes. <laughs> it's just that kind of reality show isn't, it never really appealed to me. I really um, wanted to, yeah. but again, not allowed. So there was this way, <laughs> I, I feel like every time we talk about growing up in an estate that was governed by teenage boys who were like in, an impermeable clique that all, like it, it, it sounds like a micro dystopia. But like the boys were all really into jackass and the more they were into it the less i was into it i was just like and now they're hitting each other with planks with nails and because <laughs> they saw an american man on the television doing it some boys on my estate started an irish version called jack arse oh, of them falling down the stairs and stuff and they started they had a forum which was the first forum i was part of Wow. That's the start of my forum journey. It. it was jackars.net. Yeah. Jackars.net. Um, you couldn't make that up, would you? Yeah, but like that was when um, Jackass. Yeah, like around then, that's when me and Carlan started going out. Ah. So literally, we'd have nowhere to go, so we just put on MTV because there was nothing else to do. On. So yeah. we, that's how I ended up seeing a load of Jackass, even though I never would have chosen I just hated it, it. Even the music yeah. gives me like a Pavlovian, like, this is <laughs> fucking stupid. Um, and. Um, I really liked, I did like the Osbournes. I was kind of vaguely aware of that. I thought mm. they were all just real interesting looking. Little Molgoth heart, I suppose. But mm. uh, I thought they were very stylish and very cool. I still follow Kelly Osbourne on Instagram. Um, yeah, I just thought they were, and they, that was sort of the first reality 
it was in the in the beginning of reality TV. I didn't hate the Osbournes in the way that I really vehemently was like, Jackass is just a bunch of Americans hating each other. Mm. I think it holds up. To be honest, I watched an episode the other day. Um, <laughs> the pranks, like I don't like pranks, which is what always turned me off on it. But the actual, the bit where it's just like a load of lads building a big ramp that fires you off into a river that kind of stuff is still fun it's what Carlan called stupid boy things stupid where I would tell her about something that we like did like in school or in college she'd be like you're such stupid boys and Jackass is just stupid boys the TV show yeah like yeah. don't get me wrong I thoroughly enjoy behaving stupidly mm. however I, ju- I just have such a close association from the lads capital T capital L just all turning evolving from sweet boys we're all such sweet children mm. and the second puberty hit it was like this huge chasm opened, and uh, I feel like ja- I feel like Bam Margera was really attractive. Yeah, he was. I feel um, like he had a lovely face, and that's kind of my primary. Memory. Yeah, he is a disaster, like toxic man. Oh, right I would now, say but yeah, Johnny Knoxville, super woke, like trans rights, Johnny Knoxville and stuff. No way. Is yeah, yeah. Face tattooed on his. Back. No, that's Steve. Yeah, Steve O has he goes through a phase of distancing himself from it and going back into it. I think he's on a distancing himself from it phase at the moment. They're all like yeah. dad age now. I think there's something, mm. something so uh, I don't know. The whole thing is a train wreck. Um <laughs> but I do think it's responsible for a huge generation of things as well. Like a lot Jackass spawned more. Jackass also came about during South during the around the same time as South Park. So there's mm. a sort of chaotic shitty male energy now please do not get me wrong i occasionally still think about south park and i'm like man some of that shit was extremely funny please let me inform you why i the only thing i find funny is stupid voices (laughs) the only thing i can laugh at in the world is people doing stupid voices it is like i have no sense of humor stupid voices are the one thing that breaks through my dourness but um i think there was like this era um of TV masculinity heralded in by Jackass and oh yeah, like um, Park. You say the Jackass guys like have like Hollywood vitamins and they've raised by houses like the Dirty Sanchez guys. I would love to know what they're up oh, to. Oh, that was even yeah yeah. They were like Word. down and dirty fuckers. Yeah, they played a show a live show in Waterford and doing uh, what? Doing what? They just break things off their heads, I think, essentially, and drink shit. Uh, but they were staying at a Waterford Castle, which is a very fancy hotel on an island here. Um, and apparently they got thrown out for driving a golf cart into a lake at four in the morning. So that's what they were up to. That was their legacy. Lucky them, man. Mm. Lucky them. Did you watch any of that stuff, Dean? Yeah, yeah, no, I did. I did. Um, so sorry match. if I just dragged you through the earth if you were super jackass. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but we're no, it wasn't. No, yeah. no, I do. It was like new episodes of that was really. I don't know what the school version of water cooler TV you called, but mm. it was very much like you watched it and everyone talked about it the next day. Celebrity Death Match was another one. Um, oh, I like that because mm. it was that motion. Uh, yeah, that's probably that's a that's a real probably pop culture time capsule from the time as well. I mean, you think mm. about some of the the groups they had some of the contest contestants um yeah. like you know like backstreet boys fought the beastie boys or something in one episode <laughs> but um 
Yeah, I just remember, and like it, there was always these cracks, and it's like how people's like, oh, MTV, they don't play music anymore. It's like, why do they call it music television and stuff? It's like, used to hear that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if that's what it's still like. Like, what, what does MTV have a hit at the minute or a show? I don't know. So, at the moment, there's an a channel called MTV that's in like the regular block of channels on Sky that just mm-hmm. shows like scripted reality and stuff. And then there's also a channel called MTV Music, which is a tautology but so they but like MTV Bass MTV Dance MTV 1 I think all still exist uh, I, I don't know what the big MTV show is now because they're doing a lot of work with uh, YouTubers right now okay oh you're one uh, from Jordy Shore Charlotte she has like a load of shows she's like there workforce at the moment also yeah. has a show right now they have that one where two friends give each other choose a tattoo for each other oh and they're all let's see what it is till it's finished uh, it's horrific. Yeah, that makes I, me feel so old, Alan. It's it's so bad. I like I don't understand why these people are friends. They obviously hate each other so much. I was just They're, thinking though, if I if I got to do that, I probably would be a dick. I'd probably be like, you have to get Johnny Knoxville or Steve O's face on your back now. Like yeah. probably, I probably I would probably be an arsehole about it though. I watched one episode and there was these two male friends, and one of them was like very handsome, looked after himself, and the other one was like obviously his sidekick. Um, and the psychic guy was like, I'm going to get one over on him. He always gets one over on me. I'm going to get one over on him. So the sidekick chose for his friend in like comic Batman powbang stuff writing. Uh-huh. Like the word, like the words STD herpes all up and down his ties wow. and around his stomach. Wow. Uh, so he was like, I got you. I finally, I finally beat you by fucking putting that on your body for life. And the guy was devastated. And then it turned out, what he'd done to his friend to his sidekick was he had turned his that guy's belly button into his his asshole and a photorealistic drawing of him bending over wow. on the guy's stomach they fucking destroyed each other wow. they destroyed each other that for is the worst charlotte from Jordy shore's tattoo show yeah you know why this is this is why? because they watched loads of jackass when they were growing up and this yes. is what they think is funny mm-hmm. like, this is true i truly i don't know Look, yeah. they can walk their bliss and live their power, and if MTV were paying them enough money, like, go get them, Tiger. But yeah. twas tis far from long streams of music videos with commentary in between them, which I assume MTV was because I didn't have it. Um, yeah, the the MTV machine now every every keeps coming up with different online strategies where like they had MTV Hive a few years ago, which had a lot of interesting editorial, and they got rid of that, and then. I don't know, MTV News was the real big relaunch when they put a, like, a lot of money into long-form journalism and they had like really, really good writers come through it like uh, mm-hmm. Ira Madsen and Doreen St. Felix and Ezekiel Kwaku. And then they got rid of that and they said, yo, they were kind of became the, the most, the ultimate pivot to video website. Yeah, they got rid of everybody. Yeah. yeah. How like editorial is the first thing to fucking go. I mean, mm. like it's always the first thing to go yeah i mean the mtv news thing was i think back was it 2016 maybe or something they launched with this the 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 ethos that they were going to do put money into like long-form editorial um you know intelligent music journalism and that and uh yeah it's like they they were pretty i think pretty aggressive in their hiring like say like a lot of really cool writers um and it was yeah like they did like a lot of it was working as well yeah yeah i mean there was a few hitches with um 
artists upset with what was written and and orders coming down from on high that they couldn't say certain things and certain things had to be taken offline and stuff there's uh there's some good pieces out there about about kind of the life of mtv news but then yeah they just they i think they laid off everyone and say decided that they were going to pivot to video and and then I think they were almost they almost tried to pivot back again. I don't know if the backlash against that was so bad that they gave up on the idea. But mm. um, yeah, it's like that's that's yeah, the the MTV machine is 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 still is still going. Yeah. No, oh, there we go. I think that's a good place to leave it. Uh, Dean, <laughs> thank you so much. This was very enjoyable. Uh, thank you so much. Plug oh, your thank, stuff. No, thank you. Tell us where we can find you. Yeah, where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Oh uh, yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter, so it's just at Dean Van Wyn. Um, yeah, so yeah, writing for uh, Pitchfork, The Guardian, Crack Magazine, uh, anyone who pays. So um, yeah, you can find me all over the place. And uh, yeah, and got that book that you mentioned at the start, uh, Iron Age: The Art of Ghostface Killer. So you can get that on 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 your favorite book sh- online bookshops <laughs> or wherever else sells it. Cool, Te- Sarah. Where can we find you? Uh, in my house forever. Um, uh, I am uh, at Grifsky on Twitter, um, at Sarah Grifsky on Instagram, and you can also find my books wherever books are sold online because all retail is currently still closed. Alan, how, how uh, and where can we find you? Uh, I'm Alan underscore McGuire everywhere. Juvenalia is Juvenalia underscore pod on Twitter, Juvenalia pod on Instagram. Uh, thank you to Dee McDonald for our artwork. Thanks, Dee. Thank you to Cassie. Tall thanks, Tales. Yeah, I was going to say thanks, Ellen, but thanks, Cassie, and hello, Ellen. We miss you. Yeah. Uh, we have a Patreon. We do. It is patreon.com forward slash juvenilia. There is a little backlog of Patreon only episodes building up there, so it's a nice time to get involved. Um, yeah, and it's other Tall Tales podcasts like The Creep Dive and mother pod and leave us a review if you want i think that's that's everything these are great man if people are looking for ways to support the media that they're consuming during this immense pivot in the world's state of existence leaving a review goes an awful long way it helps other people find us there you go so that's it uh we'll see you in two weeks where we'll have leech dolan talking about gossip girl bye everybody take care thank you